Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Jake Peach and Chris Moss. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget if you haven't already to make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO Podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. And in this episode, we look back to the previous Grand Prix in Baku and the controversy around all of that. We'll have a look at the latest news in a busy couple of weeks off the track for Formula One and also preview the first of three races in a triple header starting at the Circuit de Paul Ricard this weekend. First of all, let's digest a crazy race around the streets of Baku last time out. Well, it looked like a comfortable victory for Max Verstappen last time out, controlling the race out front with four laps to go, though. His left rear tyre failed on us, or and on him too, and he went into the barrier on the main straight. And earlier on in that race as well, on lap 30, Stroll suffered... A similar failure, not as far down the straight, but quite near the pit entry. It was very, very bizarre, and um, it was basically a big controversy that marred the whole Grand Prix. Um, what did you make of all of it, Chris? It was a bit hard to take it all in, really. I mean, I I very much work on Sunday, so I didn't get to see it live, um, like most. Uh, so I was hearing it on the radio uh, at work, and hearing... The uh, Five Live team going absolutely crazy uh, for the fact that Stroll had crashed, caused a red, f- no, safety car. It wasn't a red flag at this point. It was a safety car. Um, and yeah, then we went back to racing and things were normal. And then like it just sounded so, like, I mean, the commentator's curse from Jolie and Palmer and Jack Nichols was very much on. They were like, Max Verstappen's got this. With four four laps to go, to um, not have this, um, but I'll tell you what though, we got this uh, sprint race idea coming for Silverstone in a few races time, but that two lap sprint that happened towards the end of the race, I I, I enjoyed it, I I thought it was a fantastic thing, made it a mini race, um, and just you know fresh tires, off you go, first one across the line, happy days. I think, you know, think about all the other times we've had red flags towards the end of races and, you know, we could have had like a few laps remaining. I mean, so much changed. It was fantastic. It was what motorsport wanted. Yeah. It was a pretty crazy couple of uh, moments in the race. So otherwise, if those hadn't happened, it probably would have been a standard race for Max Verstappen, pretty much in control all weekend. Mercedes were really on the back foot in the practice sessions. Um, Hamilton and Bottas were n- not even in the top 10 uh, in practice, which is unheard of, of course, for them. Uh, and then uh, put lower down floor set up on Hamilton's car. And then um, fortunes changed for Hamilton. Not so much for Bottas, had a terrible weekend and um, still had a high, higher down floor set up and found himself really, well, far back. I mean, we'll come on to the Hamilton thing in a moment. But um, these crashes meant it was quite an exciting race, really mixed up the field, as you said. Um, and um, as a result of that that crash, we had that two lap sprint, and yeah, certainly a good omen for uh, for the future going to Silverstone and seeing some sprint races this season and, and the pilot of that. Um, but yeah, two lap races. You, we, I don't think we've ever had a red flag where it's been set up as a sort of a two lap shootout or three lap shootout like that. More like a Formula One game, like a mini arcade race you're doing. Um, I think previously 
when it's, when it's a red flag, it's either they postpone the race and do count back or they just declare the victory as it is when they stop the race. Um, or, you know, it's it's kind of much earlier on in the race and, and the race resumes as normal. So I can't ever recall that happening, has it, Chris? I'm, I'm not even sure. No, I think it's the first time ever, but please do it again. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course... Um, Vet, um, Hamilton, I should say, we'll come to Vettel in a second. Hamilton was primed to take the victory over Perez because Perez essentially inherited the lead um, of of the race, and they were starting. He was starting on the front row, and um, Hamilton was radioing his Mercedes team, saying, "It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't dive into turn one and uh, and do anything drastic." What does he do? He gets a great start, um, but he go, locks up and goes straight off into the escape road at turn one. It was pretty dramatic, and I can remember watching it. I was like, oh, no, what's going on? Oh, how has that happened? This is Hamilton. He's like the, the veteran. He would never do something like that, but uh, it turns out that he'd knocked one of his brake bias buttons. Or they call the magic button, don't they, it's, to warm up his tyres. <laughs> that race literally went from him because of a touch of a button. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, a split second, and... Um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing to think that all the obviously got all the technology on the steering wheels are like you know it's maybe a bit hard to underestimate like of course all the drivers know what button does which and they put a lot of time into examining it and remember memorizing it all but you know if there's so many buttons on the steering wheel there is chance you're going to knock it one day so um, that was the end of Hamilton's race which up to that point he'd been really sort of trying to fight to keep with Verstappen and had been quite a struggle it was pretty. Even at that point, when Verstappen kind of had it in the bag, really was controlling it, probably had a bit more time in his pocket. So, um, yeah, Hamilton ended up obviously finishing way down the back of the grid because he can't really, even though it's Hamilton, and you know, he does some pretty magical things on the track, even he can't make up, you know, the gap from the back of the grid to the front uh, that quickly. He's not that good, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, pretty crazy race there. Um, but talking of Vettel, I was coming on to, he had a great race following on from his P5 in Monaco, didn't he? He stayed out quite long uh, on the soft compound tyre at the start of the race. It was still lapping very close, surprisingly, to the leader's pace as well. So despite being on, on the warm tyre, starting on the soft compound, and then this helped him jump up the grid. I think he pitted 18 laps later than any other person on that soft tyre. And uh, of course, if you're doing the same pace as the leader's, then uh, compared to the rest of the grid behind him, you're going to find yourself up, up, up there and... Um, in the end, with all the sort of red flags and the safety car that helped him along, he ended up P2, which is mad. First podium for Aston Martin under their name and first one for him with the team. And um, a lot of people saying now he's really found his mojo back again. This has been a sort of a great breakthrough for him in the last couple of races. Would you go that far as say that, Chris, right now? Or do you think it's still jumping the gun a little bit? I think if you look at his composure, um, his mentality in the paddock, He's a lot more relaxed than what he was with Ferrari, especially last season. He he looks almost a bit like his his old self. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he hasn't obviously got the car that's super competitive to go and win the races at the minute, but he looks happy. He looks he wants to be there, whereas last year he very much just wanted out. <laughs> um, so I think that's now after you know getting used to the team, getting used to the car. I think he's finally getting you know himself in the car and it's sort of working in a good partnership and say it's a race he fully deserved to to get that podium he yeah it's phenomenal 
he was totally there on merit and the car's performance was was great um and they've made leaps and bounds and strides of performance haven't they since the first race in Bahrain and um those tests there because Aston Martin were looking really really out of it and um the team principal um Otmar um was saying like oh we've got a we've got a, a lower rate car um it's it's not really playing our to our strengths with the the regulations this season that that conversation seems to have fizzled out of nowhere i haven't heard about that for a while and um oh what do you know they're up there um of course they were going to complain when they're getting podiums and stuff so um, uh, i think but yeah and it's nice to see it back i think the thing um for me with sebastian that really stood out in that race was back in qualifying Mm. obviously we had a red flag in the second qualifying session which cancelled the the end of the session he was on going for a lap to get himself Mm. into q3 and he was genuinely so disappointed angry frustrated that he never got the opportunity to get into q3 he was Mm. upset Mm. to not be there i mean yeah he he hasn't shown that kind of emotion for such a long time Mm. and then you know he's finally at a position where he's like wanting to challenge, able to challenge. And the fact he didn't get that chance, you know, he was angry, you know, Mm. and that kind of passion is what he's been lacking probably since the end of 2018. Yeah. And when it comes, I think it comes along with a lot of having self-belief, isn't it? Like if you can feel that your car is not competitive, if you're racing around in a Ferrari, that's got an engine, which is down on hot that you kind of know is down on horsepower compared to the rest of the field. You kind of, it, you know, it's hard to motivate yourself, isn't it? But now it's kind of, when you see that light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, you can kind of latch onto it a bit more. So maybe it's a lot more. I think Vettel is kind of motivated psychologically like that um, in, in a lot of ways. And probably a lot of the grid are. It's, it's human nature, isn't it, really? Um, so, yeah, nice to see him up there again. And uh, hopefully it continues in uh, in France this weekend. Uh, Gasly, once again, proving his worth with another podium this weekend for Alpha Tauri. Um, and again, totally on merit, starting fourth place in qualifying. And um, in the race, um, it emerged afterwards. He's nursing an engine problem, but still came home in third on the podium, of course, helped by Hamilton going out and, and Verstappen. But, um, you know, it's third place. It's uh, another strong performance for Gasly and um, everyone will start saying, go to Red Bull. When's he going to get to Red Bull? Um, but he seems very much at home in Alpha Terry. Why, why move? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Jake, just remind us, uh, when we did predictions for the Azerbaijan <laughs> Grand Prix, mm. um, who did you say uh, was going to be third? Can you even remember that far back? I don't think I can. Who was it? Oh, Well, I'll, I'm going to go and have a look as to um, what you said. But for me, I, I said Gasly for third place. <laughs> um so yes very uh nice little thing you know we obviously i'll do our little predictions yeah um you actually said perez um, perez well he you know he won the race in the end he he did um i i said i, I remember saying i said perez second just for the fact that red bull played team orders which they were doing <laughs> yeah they were so yeah. I, I, i'll take that minute little victory on that one as well that's fair enough what what made you think gasly before the weekend was going to get third by the way um, I just felt the Honda engine was pretty strong round there. I mean, yeah, he, he got. I think he qualified fourth. He did, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. qualified fourth. So, yeah. um, yeah, he had the car, he had the setup. You know, just 
I just want it to be a bit different as well and just say all Honda podium. <laughs> yeah. Max ruined it though. <laughs> he did. Uh, Pirelli. It's not Pirelli's fault. It's Max's fault. We'll come on to the whole investigation in a moment. Very interesting findings that we'll share with you in the news uh, in a short while. Um, sticking with the race, just to round it off um, from Baku last time out. Ferrari's surprise pace in Monaco continued with a strong showing uh, in P4 and P8. Um, Leclerc starting on pole as well kind of helped by the red flag in qualifying though which uh, Verstappen wasn't very happy about um, voicing his concerns but um, yeah Ferrari we were talking in the last episode weren't we Chris maybe Ferrari found this pace because they'd sort of jumped on the flexi wing bandwagon it's like oh we can eke out some pace for a couple of races here Um, or whether it's actually legitimate pace what do you think? Um, I mean they said that they were going to take, you know, everything with a pinch of salt. They were going to mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. I mean, you've got a couple of races where you can. You might as well, you know, make the most of it. I mean, they had two poles where they weren't the fastest car on the grid by a long shot, but they got the lap in at the point where they needed to, um, yeah. both in Monaco and um, in Azerbaijan. Both obviously hampered by red flag, so, you know, it was quite nip and tuck. Um, but you know Leclerc got got the lap in for both. This time he actually managed to start on pole, um, <laughs> yeah. stayed in the lead for a couple of laps. But you know they they showed showed strong pace. You know he was he ended up another fourth place for him in the race, getting some solid points. You know which they weren't doing last season at all. No, they were nowhere. But you know it's it's a good stepping stone to moving um, forward in the season. But I think what I heard this week is that they're not going to be developing the car. They're going to focus entirely on the 2022 car from now on. Yeah. Which is probably a good move and um, we'll cover it in more detail in, in the news, but um, yeah, if they, they've probably got a base level to go, if they can be up there, sort of the best of the rest on, on a few occasions, then I think they'll be pretty happy considering where they were last season uh, on the grid. Um, also, Alonso for Alpine. Let's just not forget about him. He put in some great moves in the sort of the last uh, two lap shootout that we had, finishing sixth place. And um, he he didn't have well, he didn't have the best of races uh, up to that point. He was doing okay, making some headway, but not too much. And then um, he ended up getting in front of uh, Yuki Tsunoda, who also had his best finish so far in his rookie career. So you could say it was uh, good things all around there. But for uh, Alonso and Alpine, um, they probably won't be too disappointed with that. Not too shabby for a sixth place considering their sort of performance uh, lately and then finally kind of finishing on Mercedes again uh, we just need to touch on Bottas really um, had a bit of a nightmare every weekend he missed his original flight to the race and he had to do his uh, press conference with um, Tom Clarkson um, basically still in Finland over Zoom so 2020 right uh, and it seemed downhill from there really but um Finishing 12th in the race, um, his worst start to a season for Mercedes ever. In practice, he was nowhere to be seen. Qualifying wasn't great. Um, a one-off, Chris? Are we worried about Bottas? I mean, we've just we are recording this after the qualifying of France, and he's just gone third fastest. So looking like a bit of a revival this weekend. However, a bit worrying to see them see him that low down last week. I mean, or two weeks ago. I mean, every week or oh, every every year. You know, we hear of Bottas 2.0, Bottas 3.0. It happens for like a race and then it fades. France was a chance for him to get redemption 
to you know out show what he can do. He was faster than Lewis throughout all the practice by a mm. considerable margin. But when it comes to showtime, Lewis beats him by two temps. Yeah, when you it know, matters. It, when it matters, Lewis turns up. And it's the same for Lewis in Baku. Mercedes, throughout the entire weekend, no pace. But when it came to qualifying, Lewis was there. Mm. You know, but to be fair, think, but to be eighth, fair though, they... They gave Hamilton the lower downfall setup, and they didn't change Bottas's car. They wanted to. But I think I think that differ was Bottas's choice. Mm, yeah, he felt more comfortable with the higher downfalls. The biggest thing for that is, yeah, it'd be great for the castle section, but down the straight, you're going to be overtaken. That's exactly what happened. He kept going backwards. Yeah. Um, he finished it, behind Antonio Giovinazzi of Alfa Romeo. I mean, to put that I, into perspective, you know. I mean, if we're going to go like that, then Nicky Mazepin beat Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but um, that that's a bit different. Uh, Giovinazzi beat Bottas on merit, whereas Hamilton just messed up and, yeah, basically didn't have a chance to get past him again. But I, I see your point um, making that comparison. I'm sure Mazepin was very chuffed. Um, considering what's been happening again. Another spin in practice, I was told, earlier on by you. Um, yeah, there was a couple. Yeah, a couple of spins, so to add to his collection. Ba- ba- Can you imagine, ba- ba- imagine the, the montage? Stretch. Yeah, imagine the montage at the end of the season that there's going to be for that. I mean, I feel for the guy, but, you know. I mean, I wonder if there's a website that had a timer <laughs> to the last time he spun. Because used there to is. do that. There was there a must website be. with Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> yeah, a guest on our show yes well, a guest. A be very careful what you say here chris he might boycott but, us for the rest of the podcast <laughs> no there was there was a website which um did a similar thing um but it, people just they're, they're quite savage especially you know yeah the hardcore fans they're quite savage with you know if you make a single mistake you're, you're gonna be remembered for that yeah yeah it's very the, yeah there's no holes bar with fans a lot of pressure being put on everyone and and um you know when there's an expectation there it's like for hamilton isn't it you know did that one lock up and everyone's like oh my god what what happened oh you're human oh yeah i forgot um so yeah every everyone has their moments but um yeah so bottas will write that off but it looks like it's off, off to um well um, a fairly good start in france um even though he didn't manage to maintain that gap that he'd found from practice. So um, we'll see what happens in the race. Um, we'll, we'll preview the race in full in, in a little while here on the podcast. But first, let's catch up with a very busy week in Formula One with the latest news. Yeah, so obviously we, we've been away for a week or so. We felt after that incredible race in Baku, we, we needed a break to catch up with ourselves and you know, to, to mm. digest what we had witnessed from such a Grand Prix. But a lot has happened within the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, reflecting on those strange blowouts with Max and Lance in Baku, uh, the result of the investigation from Pirelli said that it was related to debris on the track, which they originally suspected, um, also to do with uh, things with uh, tyre pressures and that. But it was just a circumferential break in the tyre, uh, according to Pirelli. And the statement basically goes, the tyre pressures weren't that great. Sort it out. And I think uh, for France, they've upped the PSI by two um, to try and combat having issues again for this Grand Prix. Um, but as we uh, have mentioned, we are in France for this weekend. Um, and it is very nice to see that Esteban Ocon got a uh, long-term commitment with his French team. 
obviously the French driver getting a uh, brand new contract, which is a three year deal. Um, so looking very strong for the future. Uh, obviously, he was interested in going to Mercedes a couple of seasons ago, was uh, their reserve driver in 2019 when he had his one year hiatus from the sport. Um, but he's still under the management of uh, the Mercedes team principal, Toto Wolff. Um, so what do you guys at home think of uh, Ocon? Do you think it's a great strategy to stay at Alpine? Looking very good uh, at the minute uh, for the French Grand Prix. Managed to get into um, Q3 with Fernando. But potential title winning car for next season, Jake? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to call, isn't it? Like things are gonna, The whole rule book is, well, literally going to be ripped up for next season. And, and that goes for every team and we always reference the brawn in 2009 and um, mercedes were you know not as quick and dominant as red bull were in that 2010 era uh, going up to the hybrid era so there will be a new status quo or not the whole idea of the 2022 regulations is to mix up the field and uh, promote closer racing um, make things unpredictable and I think that's the entertainment factor I mean you know talking about the you know that two lap shootout there with Baku um, in with the red flag and it was it was a great thing to watch it was exciting it wasn't just the same person going around a track with a 30 second gap and we knew the outcome you know um, I think it's very hard to call, but um, yeah, it's Ocon for staying staying at Alpine. Don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I think he was knocking on the Mercedes door for a while. Maybe Toto Wolff has kind of passively said to to Ocon, "Well, George Russell's been doing pretty well at Williams with all his machinery. I prefer I prefer Russell. Um, you've been doing well at Renault. I don't know. Maybe as well." Having two Brits at Mercedes possibly for next year, um, which I'll come on to in a second uh, about those rumours, um, might seem more attractive perhaps. And Mercedes being based in Brackley as well, it kind of makes sense a little bit more perhaps. But who knows? I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, Ocon committing to Alpine. Good move. French team, French engine, French driver for the first time in since I believe it was 2000. Um, and um a lacy i think it's been that long since there's been that combination so um a nice move there in terms of france um well, <coughs> grosjean grosjean really 2009 do you not remember i think it's 2009 when pk got sacked off they brought in grosjean for a few races ah but like a full you know the full driver you know as in for the season official driver fair enough Anyway, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna stick on with. Go. Um, Don't try and do that to me. <laughs> I felt bad though. I blushed. I was like, oh god, I've got it wrong. <laughs> uh, we're gonna stay on the the theme of Roman Grosjean and uh, and the French note, because um, obviously his testimonial um, by set up by Mercedes was supposed to be uh, taken and in, in within the last week. Unfortunately, it had to be postponed um, once again due to COVID restrictions. Um, basically, uh, there's a thing between France and the United States which wouldn't allow him to go between one another without having to stay away um which is a bit of a shame but mercedes very much still committed to making things happen i mean i'm, I'm not sure if they've organized a date for it yet but potentially uh could, could be something when they go to america you know they could get him to yeah participate over there and do a test there um, wouldn't make sense, wouldn't it? Indeed. And then sticking with the Mercedes factor now, obviously you just brought it up about George Russell, but there mm. has been 
many rumours floating about the paddock at the minute. Uh, basically the start of silly season now that Ocon's yeah. got his contract. Um, but basically, a lot of people thinking George Russell are going to is going to be a Mercedes driver for next year. And they're looking at the British Grand Prix to be the place to announce it, um, to d- d- take Bottas's seat. Um, obviously, nothing's been announced as yet from Mercedes, Toto Wolf, um, but they're they're, annou- they're going to say that the second driver is going to be delayed until the winter when they're going to announce who it will be. Um, but this is sort of a massive wake-up call for Bottas. You know, he's got to show what he can do. And uh, he started off pretty well, with, say, in qualifying and, and practice this weekend. But Williams have come out and uh, commented on these rumours, saying it's going to be a great loss if they were to lose Russell for next year. Um, and saying what they said about Valtteri Bottas when he was uh, there with Frank Williams back in 2013, basically saying that they, they can see George Russell being a future world champion. I mean, it's still yet to come true for Valtteri. I mean, he's been very close. You know, he's been in, he's in a top team now. Um, but, you know, we saw back in Sakir last year when he took Hamilton's seat, George Russell was up for the fight. Yeah, and it's. I think everyone goes back to this one race, don't they? I mean, of course he made it happen and the odds were against him jumping into a brand new team, brand new car. Uh, and yes, it was the quickest on the grid and he outperformed Bottas in that one race. But I'd... <laughs> Hmm, it's hard to say, really. Um, maybe these rumours as well. I'm feeling like, you know, if 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 Mercedes or Total Wolf particularly or certain people are wanting to put pressure on Bottas in a passive way and not directly comment, you know, they would never do that. But, you know, churn the churn up the media a little bit, you know, it can, it can all add up and, and, and you, as you say, put pressure on Bottas in a non-direct way. I feel like that could be a tactic at play. Maybe I'm making that up completely and maybe it's just false rumours. I think it's a bit ridiculous. I don't think they could announce Bottas is going to be replaced by Russell at the British Grand Prix. It's kind of one of those headlines that is sort of made to make sense, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and But then still, you know, Total Wolf said there might not be an announcement on the second driver until the winter. There may not be. So that's again leaving it open for him to announce or Mercedes to announce at any point so um, Indeed. yeah it'd be very interesting and obviously, got, and obviously you still got to think about the fact Lewis Hamilton still hasn't got a contract for next year either nope you know it took him until February to sign a deal for this season yeah um, I think Hamilton's come out in the in the press this week and said that he will happily take a pay cut to fit in with the financial regulations. Of course so he would. He I'm, I'm sure he's done very well over the last few years <laughs> being um, a champion. But, you know, a lot of people are saying in the beginning of the season, oh, if he wins his eighth championship, that'll be it. He'll retire. And I mean, there's a lot of factors still going into whether, you know, he wants to race. And by the sounds of it, he's very much wanting to still continue. He still enjoys it. And, you know, this season, it's probably been one of the best seasons for him. Maybe not results rise, but... He's getting that fight. He's, he's getting that fight, which he's wanted, you know, ever since he's been in the Mercedes. He's had Nico Rosberg, Valtteri Bottas to fight with. Had Sebastian Vettel for a couple of races. But he's never had that true battle, team-on-team battle, which this season is what is providing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And uh, I think, yeah, I don't think he's quite had the same battle as Rosberg. since. I still don't think, I still don't think Hamilton-Rosberg, the bat battle is quite living up to the the Max versus Hamilton. I think Max versus Hamilton is not as tough for Hamilton yet um, as the Rosberg 
fight was. I think Rosberg really, really understood Hamilton and got inside his head and really tested him. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what, you know, we're only seven races in and we still have a long way to go. So it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out, of course. Um, talking, I'm sticking on the British Grand Prix um, side of things. We have heard literally in the last couple of days that Silverstone has been cleared to have a capacity crowd after being added to the UK government's pilot list event um, for events. And that's along with Wimbledon, the tennis finals, of course, and uh, golf two at the Open uh, at Royal St George's course. Um, and I know, Chris, that you're meant to be going to the Grand Prix. Have you heard anything about your tickets? What's happening? Um, so, yeah, we anyone that got a ticket got a email Monday night, Tuesday morning, um, just saying that they were still quietly confident that fans would uh, go ahead. Um, they would let everyone know um, in the meantime as to what's going on. We have since had an email um, given us option to download e-tickets. So, oh, okay. effectively, we've already got our tickets already. Um to which I still need to print mine out. But I've got I've got <laughs> a ticket, but but yeah, they're there. So it's looking very confident that yeah, fans a, f- a full packed one hundred and forty thousand people could be at Silverstone. And how mad is that to think of? You know, considering what we've been going through and last season's race there was well a very exciting race. We saw Hamilton limping across with a punctured tire. Um I mean if we have a race like that, a finish like that at the end, that would be incredible. Um and given recent Pirelli troubles, who knows? We might have another dramatic uh dramatic race at Zilstone because we know the tire tire loads and and the pressure on the tires around there is stretched to the limit through the fast maggots yeah. and beckets too. So, um, and, and you got to remember as well, we're going to have a sprint race, and they've yeah. got the tire allocations. They haven't got any more tires for this sprint race, so they've got to very much manage their tires. That's very true. Yeah, that's going to be another interesting factor, and maybe not literally just going around on soft tires the whole time um, for both of those races. So, yeah, very interesting to see that. Um, we touched on it earlier, Chris. Um, Ferrari engineer uh, Laurent Mekis uh, has revealed that the team's 2021 car development is now all but over. They're focusing on the 2020. Yeah, and uh, Mansa OJ's career spanned across 10 driver's titles um, who guided that success at McLaren during that time. Nicky Lauda, Alain Prost, Ayrton Senna, Mika Hakkinen, Lewis Hamilton, and nine constructor championships as well in that time with McLaren. So it's not to be passed up the the amount of success and, and impact he had on the McLaren team during that time. Um, and a final bit of news, uh, Chris, in uh, IndyCar over uh, yeah, in the US. Yeah, uh, it happened on the race weekend of Baku, um, but the death of Mansur OJ, the majority shareholder of the McLaren group, um, came as a bit of a shock. He was quite a young man, very much well-respected in the paddock. A lot of the former McLaren drivers, a lot of the um, teams uh, all had a moment's reflection for his life. And McLaren have decided for this weekend that they're going to put his name on the side of their car as a tribute to uh, their former owner. Yeah, so we'll end news this week on some good news. Um, And we're going to give out some congratulations to two former Formula One drivers, uh, Marcus Ericsson and Kevin Magnussen, both of whom have recorded their first wins in their respective categories since 2013. Marcus, who has been in IndyCar since 2019 when leaving the Sauber team, uh, won his first race in IndyCar in that time. And it was the race one in Detroit, uh, the same venue he actually scored his first podium in IndyCar, which was in his rookie season. 
Kevin Magnussen uh, also scored his first win uh, in Detroit. Very same weekend uh, as uh, Marcus Ericsson at the raceway on Belle Island for the Detroit Grand Prix. Um, and also some news about McLaren. The uh, Arrow McLaren IndyCar team scored their second win of the season with Mexican driver Patricio O'Ward winning the second race uh, for the IndyCar. No good to see some success from two former Formula 1 drivers. Marcus Ericsson, of course, if you thought about him in Formula 1, we never really saw him up the top of the grid and maybe seen his real potential as a driver. He was in Sauber and and Caterham cars, which were sort of at the back of the grid. But Kevin Magnussen had that third place in his very first race for McLaren um, way back in the day um, at Australia at that time. So um, he would have remembered there. But success for both drivers there uh, over in the US. So good to see them, um, you know, Two former race drivers, which sometimes, if you once they leave Formula One, can be quite hard to maintain any kind of success after the uh, the Grand Prix. Um, doing well there, so great to see that too. Indeed, and uh, obviously Arnold, very happy to hear that former Formula One drivers doing very well. Uh, I can hear him meowing in the background for you, as my dog is also barking. So the, <laughs> all the pets are getting involved this week. <laughs> I mean, come on, working from home hashtag hashtag working from home. It's always going to happen. Um, but there we are. Uh, that's all the latest news um, from our dogs and cats and also me and Chris for this week. Uh, uh, all in Form 1. Let's now have a quick look at previewing the race ahead in France this weekend. So, Chris, as I said, we are recording this a little bit later in the week uh, as we would usually. Um, we've just watched qualifying at the circuit, Paul Ricard, and we've seen Max go on to pole position with Hamilton in second and Bottas in third place. So that takes out our qualifying predictions um, for this race. So simply looking at thoughts for the race and uh, performances judged on free practice and qualifying, what are we thinking, Chris, for this weekend? Mercedes look very strong race trim wise. Um, Max and Red Bull very much one lap pace, definitely are the stronger. Um, so my pre-race, well, pre-qualifying prediction was Max was going to get pole. Um, and with, with everything that was going on in practice, I actually had some pre-qualifying predictions, which I'm glad that we're doing this afterwards because I've <laughs> changed my mind entirely. Um, I, I didn't have, I think I might have a Bottas there just because of how much Bottas was so much quicker than Lewis. I mean, it was eight tenths yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, Lewis has once again stepped up his game. He's got on the front row of the grid. Um, but with that Mercedes race trim, I, I can see Lewis going on to win the race. So my, my prediction for the race win is Lewis, um, which would take him back to the top of the championship for the drivers. Um, I think Bottas needs to do something incredible to beat Max. I don't <laughs> think it will happen uh, this weekend. So I'm going to go Max second. Um, and then... It's going to be interesting, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna send one down the inside and go. <laughs> Charles Leclerc for third. Charles Leclerc, really? Charles Leclerc, really? Why not? He's missed out two races on podium from pole position. Like he's outside that pole position spot. He can get a podium now. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, interesting. I'm, I'm not gonna choose Leclerc for third. Unfortunately, hey, my third place came in last time, and it was a it did. Decision. Um. Okay, let me have a think. Yeah, I think Hamilton for me will claim victory. As you say, that race pace is uh, is 
insurmountable, I think, this uh, this weekend. Um, second place, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Bottas, I don't think there's any match for Verstappen. Verstappen was on pole uh, for the Grand Prix by two attempts to, to Hamilton, and um, Bottas was in third, so behind him there, so I think it's going to be difficult. Oh, for third place... I think Gasly's going to have a strong showing. Let's go with France again. Um, I think, you know, he's he's up there again um, in, in, in amongst it. Another strong performance there from Gasly. So we'll see what happens, but those are my predictions. And um, let's just say, you know, it's a really important weekend for both Mercedes and Red Bull, not just for the championship, um, of course, going forward, but to re-establish what they, what, you know, from last weekend and making up for um, a pretty tumultuous weekend for both teams even though Perez did win um, f- but for both their lead drivers Hamilton Verstappen to re-establish themselves um, and try and gain the upper hand on each other I think it's really important that they that they do that off the back of Bar um, I think it's really important they do that off the back of Baku and um, and make themselves known again on I the grid as well, Mercedes needs to have a good race because they're the poor Monaco only one car finished didn't get any points in Baku. They they need to get back in the point scoring. But not only that, after Paul Ricard, they've then got a double header at the Red Bull ring. Red Bull tend to be very yeah. successful at the Red Bull ring. Around so, their own um, track. <laughs> yeah, I think that Mercedes need to have a, a good race here. They they need a one two. They they would need nothing less really to give the fight back to yeah. to Red Bull. But I don't see it happening. Yeah, can I say can Bottas help Hamilton? It, it looks very unlikely at the moment, doesn't it? it? Seems that it's really difficult to have the rear gunner for Hamilton, um, as as is for Verstappen and Perez, of course. So indeed, and obviously Perez is in very good form, having just come and won his second Grand Prix. Yeah, and interesting little fact: he's the first driver in the hybrid era to win multiple races for multiple teams. How about that, eh? That just shows, though, the dominance of the hybrid era and that drivers don't really want to move about too much because right. their cars are strong. And there we and, are. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this little thing because I got sent something a few weeks ago. I was meant to include it in the last episode of the podcast. Okay. But I, I did forget. But my friend Gary, he sent me a message saying that every Red Bull driver who has ever won a race has always won at Monaco. Okay. He then sent me a message on Sunday after Baku saying don't ever include my stat because Perez is now one <laughs> so I am making sure I am adding this stat just so that he knows that I have added it <laughs> so well, next year he needs Perez to win that Monaco <laughs> well uh, you know stranger things have happened uh, in Formula 1 uh, um, so yeah we're looking forward to a very exciting um, race around the Paul Ricard circuit this weekend uh, will it be Hamilton will it be Verstappen will it be someone completely different will they take each other out into turn 1 we'll find out and uh, we'll review it all next week here on Around the Outside it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me thanks very much for listening we'll see you soon next time on Around the Outside Thank you.